Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back to Killer Queens. Oh yeah. I'm Torella. I'm Tori. And we're Killer Queens. <laughs> and for the third time, to sum up, we're Killer Queens. Mm-hmm. 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 And welcome back. And <laughs> if you're here for the first time, then welcome for the very first time. Yeah. No yeah. welcoming back, but we hope that we get to say that in the future. Yep. We sure do. And Oh my god, I I wanna be done with this moment. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Wrap um, it up, wrap it up, wrap it up. Also, if it is your first time, <laughs> I'm not wrapping it up. <laughs> no, you're not. No, but I do think it's helpful to let people know just like what to expect. Because if it's your first time listening to an episode, well, first of all, this is a part two. So you're going to want to back, back it up. up. Back, back it up. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to the part one of this case. But, you know, if this is your first time, you want to start with part two. That's your journey. Yes um we're not here to tell you what to do we're not your real mom and we never will be we never will be so if you want to continue on then that's totally fine just know that you're gonna be finding some probably 90s references we're gonna mix in a little of our type of humor i guess which is like just so happens to be a lot of other people's type of humor which is pretty fun obviously never at the expense of a victim but we just kind of keep it a little bit lighter we kind of tell the cases in our own words and it's really just like hanging out and gal palin with a friend talking about a case Mm -hmm. so that's what you'll you'll find here and in other news just to remind everybody the patreon is off the chain Mm -hmm. it's it's popping off is that how you say it I think the kids say that, sure. Yeah. Or does that just mean mad? It's dope. We'll just say that. It's totally boss. So yeah. It's like um, the dopiest. Yeah, so if you join the Patreon at the $5 level, you're going to immediately get access to almost 20 cases that we've done, like other full-length episodes. The $7 level, you'll immediately get access to 41 mixtapes, which are talking about like crimes that have happened in the news. And, and little mini-sodes. Yeah, it. and little mini-sodes. And then at the $10 level, starting January the 13th, which actually is after this drops, I think. Mm. We're coming at you from the past. <laughs> um, then you'll get access to our episode-by-episode coverage of docu-series kind of stuff. So it's, I mean, it's just really... It's getting wild. I feel like it's popping off. I just do. Well, and if that's how you feel, then that's not wrong. Our lip gloss is popping. <laughs> oh, I want to sing it so bad, but I'm not going to. Not going to. All yeah. right. So let's get into today's case, which is the continuation of the Hanagram case. Thanks again to Joseph Bowden for the request. And thanks again to Sloan for the research. So when we left you last, we discussed the two murders that took place five years apart. So that's Morgan Harrington first and Hannah Graham. And a brutal rape and attempted murder even before those murders occurred, which was in 2005. So this is when 
things all kind of started that we can start to string together. Now we're back to 2014. So the attack on RG, thankfully, if you can say that, like if you can find a silver lining, produced a DNA sample that police were able to enter into the database. We know it matched the DNA found at the Morgan Harrington case, the crime scene, but we still didn't have a suspect to match it up against to see, you know, it didn't produce a hit on a person, just another case. Well, in 2014, we do. The DNA was a match to the DNA police collected in their search of Jesse Matthews' apartment. Now, suddenly, we've got three cases that are attributed to the same person. In October 2014, Matthew was indicted for the assault of the Fairfax woman who is being called RG. This is the charge that the prosecution had the strongest case for, and they felt that they'd be able to secure a conviction while continuing to solidify the case against him for the two murders. I'm a little confused as to why they didn't think they had enough for the other two, because they have the DNA and all of it. I don't know, maybe they just needed, and they had Jesse Matthew on video camera with Hannah Graham. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, maybe they just had some other, or how they found stuff. You know, there's all these technical hoops. And I'm sure they, yeah, they want to get as airtight as possible. Yeah, so they went ahead and did did RG's case first. And she, I think she went back and forth on whether or not she really wanted to testify if she thought she could. I mean, understandably, could you imagine being face-to-face again with the person that you're positive was going to kill you the last time you saw them? I have no idea. I have a hard time being face-to-face with old bosses in public. <laughs> yeah, Do you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So, yeah, I cannot even imagine yeah, what that was like for her. That's rough stuff. And she also said that, I think it was in the 48 hours, they asked her if she looked at him at all in the courtroom. And she said that she didn't, but that he stared her down the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that's such, such an intimidation sh- exactly. thing. He's still trying to maintain that control. It's so terrible. He's like, just asshole. give her some, just the littlest bit of respect and... Just leave her the fuck alone. Yeah, like, you know you did it. We all know you did it. But he maintained that he did not do it, of course. Well, yeah. So, in February 2015, he ended up being indicted for the murder of Hannah Graham. And in October of 2015, he was given three life sentences for the assault in Fairfax. He entered an Alford plea in this case. And we haven't talked a lot about Alford pleas on the show. I know that I've heard a lot about it from watching, like, The Staircase and the Paradise Lost series um, on the West Memphis Three. But if if you're not familiar with it, an Alford plea is essentially it's a guilty plea in criminal court with the stipulation that the defendant does not admit to the act that he or she is charged with. And they can kind of still maintain their innocence. So The Alford plea shows the court that the defendant admits that the evidence presented by the prosecution is enough, or more than enough, like overwhelming, to secure a guilty verdict beyond a reasonable doubt, but they just don't want to say the words, I did this. So they can look at it and say, like in Jesse Matthews' case, you've got DNA linking me to the crime scene because the DNA in RG's case was gotten, they, they got that from a rape kit. So mm-hmm. that's pretty definitive. And there's no reason that you should have been having sex with her. Like you're not saying that it was consensual or anything like that. So 
we've got you. You did this attack. I don't, I really don't know why they let him do an Alfred plea, honestly. I don't either. And I know from watching the 48 hours, the prosecution did not know that this was, uh, I don't know if they didn't know it was a possibility, but they were like, are you kidding me right now? Because like, there was so much, like, there was a lot of um, bustling about and stuff like that. And everybody was like, what's going on? And I guess Jesse Matthews' parents or his mom comes out and she's hysterically sobbing. And then they find out that he had taken the Alfred plea. And so, so the Alfred plea is not like a plea deal where the prosecution agrees to it. Like you can just take that without the prosecution's knowledge or agreement. That's what it seemed like on the 48 hours. Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand why. I don't know if the judge allows you to do that or what, but in that case, it wasn't just like, you've got enough evidence that you'll probably secure a conviction. You will be convicted. I don't know. O.J. Simpson wasn't. True. But it's just so strange to me. Like, I guess, I mean, if you're talking like making a murderer or something, if, if, the case, if it happens to be like a corrupted case or something, then sure, I could see being like, look, I didn't do it, but it's obvious that you guys have enough evidence to put me away, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem like this is that case. So, right. How do you say, like, yeah, you guys caught me? I mean, I didn't do it. But you guys caught me. Yeah. That's just so ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me in this case because it's very, very obvious that he did it. And like the composite sketch looks I know that's, you know, kind of a subjective thing or whatever, but it looks exactly like him. But they were saying because in the forty eight hours they were saying that the defense was like, Well, it was dark though, and he grabbed you from behind. And, you know, just trying to, like, put holes in her story. Yeah, pick apart, yeah, what she could conceivably remember and all those things. But obviously she remembered a lot about it if she got the composite, like you said, the composite sketch looks exactly like him. Yeah. Yeah, so, and, and if you think about, like, even with making a murderer, remember in the first rape case that he spent, what, 18 years in jail for, Stephen Avery? The woman who was attacked, when you when we later find out who actually committed that crime, her composite sketch looks just like the guy that did it. And all they did was say, oh, a similar color hair looks like Stephen Avery to me. But when you when you held that up to Stephen Avery, it didn't look like him. The initial composite sketch where she before they changed it up or whatever, I it looked exactly like the guy who did it. So, I mean. There's something to be said for, yeah, it's a really tense situation, even if it's dark, but that image is, unless for whatever reason you end up like with a head injury and can't remember what happened, that image is emblazoned in your mind. Yeah. Like, I don't think, even though she probably really wants to, I don't think she will ever forget. And even though he came up to her from behind he did not stay that way exactly he didn't have a mask on he wasn't it was a struggle right so she was able to see his face it just really it breaks my heart i mean i know that every case is different and who knows sometimes people lie on the stand but for someone who is so brave like a victim a rape victim to get up and testify 
And people are like, well, but are you sure, though? Are really, you know, making her, trying to catch her in a lie or, like, fill her with doubt or, you know, it's just really sad. Yeah, because that's, all of those things are things that lead into the whole situation that we have on our hands now where people don't want to come forward because they don't think they'll be believed. They don't, and, and I'm not saying that every single person who comes forward and says, somebody did something to me that you should blindly believe them without, you know, looking into things. Like, I don't, I think that that's dangerous too. But there are just so many reasons why so many people, men and women who have been attacked, sexually harassed, whatever, they're afraid to come forward because of what happens to other people that do that. Exactly. So it's fucked up. I think in the case of Jesse Matthew with the Alfred plea, I think he just didn't want to have to say, yes, I did this with his family sitting there. Well, that's what, yeah. I mean, he just was trying to save face in, in front a of way, his. Yeah, yeah, save his own ass. On March the 2nd, 2016, he pleaded guilty to two counts of first degree murder and abduction with intent to defile for uh, the murders of Hannah Graham and Morgan Harrington and was sentenced to four consecutive life sentences. He also signed away all of his parole rights, so that way he could never, ever, 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 never, never, under any circumstances, get out of prison. Never, 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 ever. Why? Because he wanted to avoid the death penalty. Oh, right, because they were going to seek the death penalty. Yeah, they were going to charge, they were going to up the charges to capital murder, so... For Hannah Graham? mm Mm-hmm. So he was like, well, hang on, what if I promise to never, ever, ever, ever leave here? Is that okay? And they said, fine. Sure. Yeah, whatever. So that took his total sentence up to seven life sentences, which he is currently serving in Red Onion State Prison. Red Onion? What a name. Yeah, not sure why. What's up with the Red Onion? I don't know. Is that their mascot? Maybe Sweet Pea Prison was full. Yeah, Sweet (laughs) Pea. So he went to prison for those things. But we had those big gaps in between, right? So, like, RG was 2005. Morgan was 2009. Hannah was 2014. Like, with his intense violence and brutality, is it possible that he just went... Four or five years. ...in between with nothing? Probably not. So, it's it's believed that He's responsible for many, many more, at at the very least, assaults, if not more, murders. And when we say this level of violence, it's at least his known victims. Like, R.G. was beaten almost to death. I mean, she was in very, very bad shape. And Jesse was also a college football player. And if you've seen photos of him, you can see like how large and intimidating he is. So he had a lot of force behind him. And being a football player, he knew how to carry that force, you know, and like apply it to situations. And if you're going to take that level of force that you would use to like, I don't know, tackle somebody in football, I'm not, I don't really know, like, I don't know what position he played or anything. And even if I did, I don't, that would tell me nothing. But, you know, you take that on an 18-year-old girl, 
things are going to get broken. Like, right. that's, that's way too much. Especially if you're like a right field officer or something <laughs> in football. Do you know? Or like a left phalange. I mean, you could Never. really do some damage there. Oh, yeah. So during autopsy, they found numerous brutal injuries to Morgan and Hannah. Morgan suffered a spiral fracture on her upper left arm, which I had to look that up to see what it was. And basically what that is, they said you see it a lot in child abuse cases. It's like one of the telltale signs of a child abuse case. It happens when you basically apply a twisting motion. I was going to say, because of course the term spiral. Yeah. But yeah, I if you say child abuse cases, I, I've seen people yep. snatch their kids up by their arm. Yeah, and, and you it's know, way too hard yanking. and then they turn it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the kind of force that he would have applied to her arm and it it broke her arm. That's intense. That's it is. really bad. She had fractured ribs. She had a skull fracture. Oh my god. She was missing teeth. Hannah suffered two nasal fractures. Not even just one, but on both sides of her nose she had separate fractures. And remember the guy we talked about in the first episode who it seemed like he ducked into a doorway and then it looked like he was following her. Yes. But he just said, oh, I'm just trying to keep her safe. Well, later he told the police that when Jesse Matthew turned around and started following Hannah, he walked up behind her. Once he caught up to her, he says that he put his arm around her, like around her neck. And this guy said he he said to him, hey, you don't even know her. Like, what are you doing touching her? And he said Jesse Matthew looked at him and just said, hush. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and I don't know where he went after that, but he did. Whoa. He left him alone. Like, he he was quite obviously intimidated. Mm-hmm. So this guy is definitely, if he tells you to hush, I guess you do it. So I would. I mean, my God, he's he looks to be a very stout, massive, you know, like, what could he do to someone? And we know what he could do to someone. He's done it. Absolutely. And especially with men you know like if if you're gonna say something to another dude then you probably need to be ready to have your ass beat or at least get or into back a it fight. up yeah. yeah i've thought about that because i've seen some injustice you know like some people being just hateful assholes to other people and i'm like hey uh-uh and i'm like well okay so that's a man doing this my husband is with me Who's going to get the shit kicked out of them? Probably. They're not going to come after me. They're going to come after my husband. My boyfriend will pummel your ass. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I've never really been afraid to, I don't know, like I will, I will kind of buck up to dudes when I see something happening. I'll shoot them straight. Yeah, because I'm like, you're not going to, you're probably not going to do anything to me. That, well, I will say that was more so in my like, going out days and now i'm a little bit more like i don't want to start anything with anybody because of murder but i wouldn't i never really started shit with girls because i was like i don't want to get in a fight (laughs) i mean not that i just walk around starting shit with people but like (laughs) you know if i'm out and i see something happening like i'm not afraid to just like be totally like blunt or whatever with a guy because i'm like you're not gonna hit me but if i you know, see something happening with a girl who looks like she probably has gotten in a fight in her day. I'm like, I don't feel like getting my hair ripped out of my head tonight, so I'm going to just pass on. Yeah, exactly. That one. (laughs) But yeah, for dudes, it's like, you better be ready to go ahead and get in a fight about that Mm because it's probably going to happen. Testosterone, man. Hell of a drug. Hell of a drug. 
So now let's talk about Jesse's history and how he came to be in the Charlottesville area wreaking havoc on basically all of the young women everywhere. One of the reasons that he may have been able to get access to so many women is the fact that he was a cab driver for several years. So according to CBS 6 News, Matthew was actually questioned by police right after Morgan's disappearance because she was seen getting into a cab by witnesses before she disappeared. So they went out to like the cab companies around there and were talking to them. And he was actually one of them that they talked to because he had been working that night. While one of his coworkers said that they even joked with him that he resembled the sketch of the man suspected in her disappearance. Shut up. That happens a lot. I mean, you know, it happens. We've done cover cases where we're like, oh, they were questioned before, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like they were right there in that circle. And I mean, and that's because typically there is some kind of a connection. It may be a very small connection. It may be a first time connection. Usually there is some sort of a connection. So, I mean, they're definitely asking the right questions, talking to the right people. It's just they have to wait until they have more concrete evidence. Yeah, exactly. So, and the guy who said that they would joke about him resembling that um, sketch, they said that sometimes he would just laugh it off and be like, oh, haha, whatever. And then sometimes he would get really upset about it and he would just disappear for hours and they didn't know where he went. So obviously it was affecting him. But I mean, the thing about sketches is they're so, they're just vague enough that it could resemble plenty of people. And they're just so specific enough that once you know for sure who it was, you're like, oh, okay, I definitely know that was him. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, I mean, and they help in a lot of cases, I think, but you know. I'm sure there's plenty of people that could have resembled it just because of how vague they kind of have to be. Right. There are numerous other missing women from near the area where Matthew was living at different points in his life. In the YouTube video by that chapter, they go over the cases of missing women that have been thought to be connected to Jesse. Oh, also, he goes by LJ. Because he's like oh, Jesse Leroy, Leroy Matthew Jr. So yes. That I guess it's Leroy Jr. Yes. I'm or not I've, calling him LJ because it sounds dumb. Um, I've also heard for like a junior, they call him JR instead of. Yeah. Yeah. Or like I have a friend named Trey and it's Trey because he's the third one. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why he's Trey. Mm-hmm. I like that less than just the name Trey. I know. Um, on Family oh, Matters, there was a Trey kid. that I dated was a third. See? Because he had his, he had James Robertson III on his fucking chest. And they call him Trey. Yeah. Um, oh. On Family Matters, there was a kid named 3J. 3J? Because his name was like Jesse. John Jacob J- Jingleheimer Smith? That's exactly what his name was. <laughs> his name was my name too. Oh my God. <laughs> That's my name too. <laughs> but yeah, they called him 3J. Huh. So lots of interesting things. Uh, I had a friend named Jr. in high school. <laughs> now we're just like, I know someone with a name. <laughs> <laughs> is today your own birthday? Y- Wait. Oh, oh it, my God. Is today your own birthday? Today is my own oh birthday. Oh my gosh. I bet it's your own birthday too. You <laughs> out there listening. <laughs> if it's your real birthday though, tell us. That's yeah. fun. Um, Jr. Jr. Yeah. So I don't know if he was a junior or not, honestly, but um, he. <laughs> One time we were ordering food and they were like, what's the name? And he's like, 
J-R. And the guy goes, how do you spell that? And he goes, (laughs) J-R. Oh, no. Are you fucking serious, dude? I don't know if he thought like (laughs) J-A-Y. A-R-E. J-R. J-R. It's the letters J and then R. Yeah, there's it's there's only really one way to spell that. I know no other ways to spell it. No. Yeah, just the... It's like if your name was OK. How do you spell that? OK. Simon. When <laughs> <laughs> we would read books and they would say, come on, and it was C apostrophe M-O-N. And Jarella <laughs> thought it was Simon. <laughs> I was like, what does Simon mean? I even like, I even got the dictionary out and I was like, it's not in here. Oh my gosh, stop it. I know. Well, I was only like in you third grade. You should have looked up dummy too. <laughs> I was just learning how to read. <laughs> like for real. And these were like chapter books and I'm like, Simon, is that like a restaurant? Is it a person's name? Who is Simon? Because I'm like, they keep yelling Simon to each other, but I know this one's name is like Sarah or whatever. What a weird nickname. You should have looked up Ignoramus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I tried to wipe that out of my memory. Thanks a lot. Not on my watch. Yeah. So anyway, LJ, whatever, uh, Jesse Matthew. And the video on YouTube kind of goes through several of the other cases that have been possibly connected to him. Well, first of all, in his history... He had been accused of sexual assaults twice at two separate universities that he attended. The first was at the Christian College Liberty University, where he attended from 2000 to 2002. He was asked to leave the school immediately when he was accused of the sexual assault, but no charges were filed. At the time, he was playing football, and while he was kicked out of the school, Liberty elected not to include the allegations or investigation on his transcript, and he was able to transfer to Christopher Newport University in 2003 without issue. Hmm, Who does this sound like? Janine. Yeah, where he was again accused of sexual assault. Again, no charges were filed, and he was just asked to leave the school quietly. Let's not talk about it. Just get out of here. It's just, it's such a sad thing for people to care so much about reputation and not about the future victim because yeah. that kind of stuff is habitual. It does yes. not just go yeah. away. Now, had he been arrested for this, he probably would have gotten out. You know, I, I don't think it would have completely eradicated all possibility of any other victims, but. But we've seen in the past, I mean, even just in news stories and the news and whatever, even though we hate that fucking show, it's like people people who are on a sports team or... Yes. And that's what I was going to bring up here because I know that there's a lot of stuff about, you know, all different types of groups of people who maybe don't get prosecuted or don't get as in much in as much trouble or whatever, but sports is definitely one of those. And I think that the sports thing can transcend some of the other attributes that people, maybe outside of sports, you might see kind of affect those things. So like, I think for him, because he was a football player, he probably was able to get away with a lot more. And maybe a lot of them saw it as, and I don't know this to be true or whatever, but I've seen this in other, you know, sport kind of things or whatever. It's like, 
you just maybe maybe people kind of let it slide, you know, or maybe maybe there are women who I, I just can't imagine that it only happened one time at each of these colleges. Like, I'm sure that it happened more than once. And maybe it took a few times for them to even say, look, you've got to get out of here. Um, maybe not at Liberty because it was a Christian university and they're pretty strict on like because zero tolerance policy for stuff like that. Yeah, like I even think like premarital sex is like if you get caught doing it, you're not going to be able to stay there because they're very just like go by those their code of conduct or whatever. But I I don't know. I just have a hard time thinking that it never happened. And then the one time it happened, they were like, all right, you're out of here. I feel like athletes get a lot more leniency with schoolwork. They don't have to maintain their grades like everybody else does to keep, you know, a scholarship or whatever. But as long as you're bringing in football tickets or whatever it is, like there's... And like winning championships and things like that. Yeah, there's leniency. And I mean, I know that athletic departments and schools make them a lot of money, but my God, like if you're turning out violent sexual predators, then let's rethink some of this shit. Like, And I'm sorry, but there's plenty of people who can fucking play football good. Well, (laughs) there's other people who can speak goodly, too. (laughs) I'm not one of them. goodly than you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and also when you said the, when we said the news and you said we hate that fucking show, we actually got an iTunes review about that. And so if you're listening, um, person who left that review, let us explain. We are quoting the movie Idle Hands. They, um, they're, they're talking about in that movie, like, the string of murders that have been happening in their town and they're asking Devin Sawa's character about it. And they're like, haven't, don't you watch the news? Yeah. And he goes, no, I hate that fucking show. (laughs) So we quote that all the time. So we don't actually hate the news. Yeah. Somebody was like, you really shouldn't talk about how much you hate the news because that's where some of these stories come from. And it's just like a very obscure quote that unless you've seen Idle Hands 9,000 times like we have, you probably wouldn't pick it up. So anyway, yeah. Just point that out. Just joshing. Yep. So, all right. So then he transferred to CNU, which is Christopher Newport University. He got kicked out of there. Um, Kind of while all this is happening, August the 29th, 2002, 20-year-old Letitia Lamone Brooks, and I hope I'm saying that right, disappeared on foot from Farmville, Virginia. That was about 45 minutes from where Matthew was living in Lynchburg, Virginia at the time. Her remains have never been found. Six months later, 19-year-old Julie Frazier disappeared from a bar in Norfolk, Virginia, only about 30 minutes away from where he was uh, attending Christopher Newport University. July 24, 2003, Autumn Wind Day disappeared two miles from where Matthew was living. She was seen that afternoon leaving the Executive Inn Hotel with a black male and was later seen at a grocery store just two miles from the CNU campus. Her remains have never been found either. Two months later, 31-year-old Sophie Rivera disappeared from her home just seven miles from CNU. Matthew left the football team a week after her disappearance and dropped out of college a month later. I mean, I know he was asked to leave because of the sexual assault charges. I don't know how strong, I don't know if they were saying like, we think you should leave or if they were like, you absolutely have to be kicked out or whatever, but... That's really close to this other thing, and a lot of times when people commit a pretty big crime, they change up their lifestyle right after that sort of thing, so I don't know. It's interesting. It is. The the timeline, yeah. August 14th, 2005, 18-year-old Shelly Carson's body was found in Virginia Beach. 
and she was so badly beaten that her parents had to identify her from the shoes she was wearing. Oh, my God. It's horrible. Like, can you imagine? Her family strongly believes that Jesse Matthew could be responsible. After they heard about the Hanagram and Morgan Harrington cases, they felt like there were a lot of similarities. It's in the same area. So they're really thinking that he had something to do with it. I don't know where that stands, really. Like, are they, did they have DNA that they could test? Or I'm not really sure, but that's one that their family is really pushing for him to be connected. October the 10th, 2009, which was right around the time of Morgan's murder, Cassandra Morton disappeared and was found almost two months later by a hiker buried in a shallow grave under a pile of rocks. Her head was found several feet from her body. Oh, my God. And dental records were needed to identify her. (gasps) Yeah, that is one thing, though, that would be a pretty stark difference between the other cases. The decapitation. Yeah, because none of the other, even the other ones that he's thought to be connected to, none of those were, of the bodies they found. Like dismemberment. Yeah, so... I don't know. I mean, it's definitely super possible, though. He was in the area, and the area that her body was found in was owned by Liberty University. Well, where did he go to college and play football? Cassandra was a mother of two and was supposed to have checked into a rehab facility two days after she went missing. So they knew for sure, you know, even before they found her body, something happened to her because she was supposed to have checked in somewhere. She never showed up, and then they finally were able to find her remains. But they also, they have a lot of hope that they can at least get some closure because they think that he had something to do with it. I mean, the fact that her remains were found on a property owned by Liberty University is pretty fucking telling. Yeah, I think so. One case that has gotten some attention for being possibly connected to Jesse Matthew is the murder of Alexis Murphy. And they talked to her mom in... And her aunt. Okay. Was it her... Did her mom do or no, just her aunt? They showed previous interviews from, um, like, news stories and stuff, but not for 48 hours. The aunt, Trina, was the only one. Oh, yes, was. Trina. Okay. So, in the 48 hours, they talked to the aunt. Alexis's aunt. Yeah. And Trina Murphy. Trina. And... She, she kind of said that, like, she still, because she talks to Gil Harrington, right? Um, So she's gotten to know them through all of these things. Because initially, Alexis Murphy was maybe connected to the Jesse Matthew cases, but then it ended up uh, being a guy named Randy Taylor was convicted for it. And which is also home improvement. Um, JTT's character's name was Randy Taylor. Oh, it was. Oh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I did it. A um, little Scooby-Doo, but it was fine. It was. It was. <laughs> uh, can you tell we've been watching a shit ton of Scooby-Doo in this house? Um, ben is uh, super brave, and it doesn't even scare him or anything. Oh, wow. So just bugs scare him right now. Yeah. The bugs. Yeah. According to CBS 6 News, the evidence found linking Taylor to Alexis's disappearance and murder are a bloody t-shirt found in his camper with Murphy's DNA, eyelashes and ripped out extensions, her smashed cell phone found on his property, 
and video of the two speaking at a Liberty gas station the night she disappeared. However, Taylor's attorney has asked for the unknown DNA found in Murphy's car to be tested against Jesse Matthew. But no test, no outcome, no nothing is going to change the fact that Randy Taylor absolutely murdered her. Mm -hmm. Like, and he initially, when they were questioning him and everything, he tried to say that there was somebody else involved, like he pointed to another person. But that person was big fat, not Jesse Matthew. They ended up questioning that person and he was cleared. They never linked him to it or anything. And he said that that guy had cornrows, very specifically cornrows, not dreadlocks, which Jesse Matthew has. So we know that it's not the same. I mean, it's it's the same area. Um, I don't think that there's any evidence that Randy Taylor and Jesse Matthew knew each other. Um, so... Yeah, but I mean, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, that there is a second perpetrator that took part in this murder. It does not absolve. Right. It doesn't make Randy Taylor any less guilty of what he did. Exactly. And that's what they said in the 48 hours thing. They're like, we'll test it, but it's not going to it's not going to help Randy Taylor at all. Yeah. At all. Because all of the all of her stuff was found in his camper. Like. How do you explain that? Riddle me that, Randy Taylor. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not going to change anything. And it's very unlikely that it's going to come back to Jesse Matthew anyway. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to test stuff that's found in your car because how many people ride in your car? You know, like it literally could just be like the person who changed her oil or something, too. You know what I mean? Like it could be a lot of things. It it doesn't change the fact that, hello, Randy Taylor, you're shits all over this crime Mm -hmm. in the spring of 2019 jesse matthew told a reporter that he'd been diagnosed with cancer later determined to be stage four colon cancer Mm. when the reporter asked if he was sorry for what he'd done he said he didn't really know if he could answer that right now maybe in another interview (laughs) better figure it out soon sir because you're gonna be with your maker fairly quickly i would a pretty dire diagnosis i would think yeah i would think so stage four colon cancer like pretty bad yeah maybe you should get right with someone mm-hmm. before that happens maybe be sorry for murdering people you dipshit yeah can't stand him hannah's friends and family knew that she would change the world and while she might not have accomplished that in the way that they thought she would she was integral in putting away a serial rapist and murderer for life and changing the world of the woman in Fairfax and the family of Morgan Harrington. Because of Hannah Graham, the family of Morgan Harrington got justice for their daughter, and the woman in Fairfax can live her life knowing that the monster that attacked her will never be able to hurt anybody else. I think that makes, I mean, again, it's like, if you can say something good came out of it, it sucks to have to say that, but, you know, they, these girls, unfortunately, gave their lives but how many other lives did they save in the process like that's pretty amazing Mm -hmm. to think about gil harrington morgan's mother co-wrote a book called morgan harrington murdered and dead for good a mother's quest to find a serial killer and healing and the book's description part of it reads this is the story of a devastated mother crawling out of blind grief to become america's most skilled huntress With love, eloquence, and social media as her only weapons, Gil Harrington pursued her daughter's murderer for five years until he was unmasked, 
as the marauding serial murderer, the back-to-school killer who had hidden in plain sight as a genial, lumbering Charlottesville, Virginia cabbie. She also founded a nonprofit organization called Help Save the Next Girl. There are lots of chapters all over the company, all over the company, all over the <laughs> all over the country, and people are opening up new chapters all the time. A lot of them are on school campuses, which I think is also really smart. Um, but you can get more information if you just go to helpsavethenextgirl.com. But they, she's really trying to be active in helping girls. Like you know, Morgan got stuck by herself. Hannah was walking by herself. While that should never, ever, ever mean that you are now prey, it can, unfortunately. So they have like lots of safety tips on there of ways to try to stay safe, you know, even out and um, just a lot of education and they work with law enforcement and they have social media campaigns and all these kind of things just to kind of help girls stay safe out in the world and keep other vicious attacks and murders like Jesse Matthews from happening to other people. So I think it's a pretty cool thing that they're doing. And she's also been involved in changing legislature for sex offenders, habitual sex offenders, like trying to get them put away for longer and and things like that. So she's kind of all over the activist world now. Good for her. That's amazing. Yeah. So and, and I think what her book was supposed to do, that whole murdered and dead for good like what she was saying is that that morgan didn't die in vain that because of her hopefully there are going to be other lives that are saved because they're bringing awareness to the fact that unfortunately women who are outside at night or outside during the day or outside during yeah like um i know there was one story that i heard i think her name was kelsey smith and i apologize if i can't remember her last name correctly off the top of my head but she went to fucking Target, which is like every woman's mecca. Yeah, like fun, happy place. She went to Target in the middle of the fucking day to go get a present for her boyfriend for their six month anniversary because she was like 19. And that's what you do when you're 19. You like celebrate every you month. Get your two week anniversary. Yeah, gift. so cute. So yeah. she was like going to get him a little gift. They were supposed to go out that night. And this guy is following her in the aisles of Target. You can see him on the surveillance video. And then when she goes out to her car, in the middle of the day, he points a gun in her back and says, get in the car and drive. And then he takes her out and murders her. I mean, and he didn't know her. It was just an opportunity kind of thing. And that's what Jesse Matthew did. It's like, these girls did not know him. He just happened to see them out. And that's what uh, Gil talked about watching that. uh, I'm sorry, not Gil. Uh, Hannah's mom talked about in watching that surveillance video because she said it was so hard to watch that surveillance video, see her daughter just walking, minding her own business, see that guy notice her, turn around, and he, she Be-lined was like, for her. yeah, I watched my daughter be hunted because that's what he was doing. Like, it's so, so terrible just because you are a person walking and you caught somebody's eye. Like, how your is free that? game? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. how the fuck does that make any sense? It's fucked up. Mm-hmm. So, that's it. It's tough, but I think it's really important to talk about these kinds of things. I mean, a because this is what our podcast is about, but also yeah. because hopefully we can just, at the very, very least, spread awareness. And- yeah, absolutely. And if any of you like, I encourage you to go to that help save the next girl dot com and like 
you know, there's all these safety tips and I saw just a lot of the chapters being opened in middle schools, high schools, colleges. Like if you're involved with any schools, you know, or you're like on the PTA or whatever, they've got all kinds of resources on there to start your own chapter if you want to and like just help spread that awareness and especially people who have daughters, you know, teenage girls or whatever, at least share the safety tips with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and men, boys too, like everybody needs to to be safe. I mean, there's plenty of cases of, of men, boys being attacked and all that kind of stuff, but um, it's definitely more so with the female population, fortunately. So check it out. So that's it. And we will catch you. We'll catch you next week if you're not on the Patreon. And if you're on the Patreon, then we're going to see your ass two times more before the next one comes out. Well, we'll catch you for whichever one you end up on. Yep. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.